Stella at this point with a word in edgewise. Good morning, RW. And uh, as I said earlier, we do have a new board this morning. So uh, I fiddle with the buttons. Let's see if we can get RW on the phone. Are you there, RW? Perhaps not. RW is Stella on the phone with us this morning. And I guess not. Sorry, folks. Uh, we do our best here with new equipment. But sometimes it gets the better of us. Hold on just a minute and let me see what I can do. Listen to this nice tune from John Hartford this morning while I fumble around. language, for example, starts out its nine different groups of definitions for the word score with the category of sports and games, an appropriate enough beginning for Americans, some might say. By definition number five, we find score defined as a group of 20 items, and definition number six relays the plural of score, connoting large numbers, as in the scores of people attended the rally. Like many children, my first encounter with the word score as a number was by way of Abraham Lincoln's Gettysburg Address and our subsequent exercise in memorizing that speech, kick-started by its important beginning four score and seven years ago. Most of us don't refer to 20 much with the word score, and I haven't really given a lot of thought as to why. I like the number 20. It's a good solid number, something a person can usually do something with. Even today, with inflation making nearly everything that was once sizable look small, $20 continues to give some of us a feeling that we have at least a little bit of money. Sure, 20 can also seem like practically nothing, especially when we think of it in terms of time. Heck, 20 years ago was 1995. Wasn't that just the other day? And 20 seconds, well, that's only about two or three good breaths in and out. On the other hand, 20 times completing a momentous event can really matter to some of us. This past weekend, for instance, I completed my 20th Kanduskeg Stream Canoe Race. My first was back in 1994, 
and I missed the 1999 and 2000 races because my girlfriend and I were working on some projects out in the San Francisco Bay Area. But other than those absences, every year for 20 years I've shown up in the village of Kanduskeg on the third Saturday in April and proceeded to float until I arrived in Bangor a few hours later. And every year is different. This year, Miss America couldn't be with me, owing to a pinched nerve in her neck. So an Aikido student of mine, Erin, said she'd fill in. En route, floating along the river with us, was the always interesting gallery of human types. This year, Erin, who was sitting in the bow, had an especially uncooperative race bib, which repeatedly freed itself from its elastic stays, and the bib would either be flapping in her face or flapping against the back of her head. We called this bibitis, and three times it became severe enough that we had to cease all paddling and concentrate on repinning the bib. Because of this, a middle-aged man and his teenage daughter passed us four times, and subsequently we would pass them four times, each time remarking that here they were again. Much later, just before the first portage, we saw a woman paddling solo, a fair clip, although every now and then she would rescue a canoe that had no paddlers. We called her the Canoe Whisperer, and I helped her get under her own canoe to begin the first mandatory portage. Aaron's and my approach to Six Mile Falls had a few exciting moments, but not nearly as thrilling as lining up for the falls themselves and hitting them absolutely center and balanced and hence emerging dry. Yet the ultimate moment this year for me was near the end of the race at the strainer, known as the shopping cart, a whirlpool that has meant disaster for many a boater. In Martin Chuzzlewit, Charles Dickens writes, Mind and matter glide swift into the vortex of immensity, howls the sublime, and softly sleeps the calm ideal in the whispering chambers of imagination. Aaron and I were on the right-hand lip of shopping cart. She was concentrating on the river ahead, but I, doing the rudder work, managed to look right down into the gaping maw, the hungry whirlpool as we went by. Only for an instant did I look into the hypnotic innards of that swirling water, but that was enough to command all of my respect and awe for the power of this world at any given time, at any given place. During this splendid season we call spring, with its constant transitioning into the newness of the things we have known all along. From Orno, Maine, have a great day.